Good morning. How you doing? My name is Drew. Um, one of the elders here today. Brian is going to actually be preaching. Um, we're going to be talking about service. Uh, so it's it's very much a part of what we do uh, as part of our heart. So our core values are the word, team, community, and service. Uh, and service is something that we want to be defined by. Not just because we like the idea of service, but because it's something we see modeled in Christ first and foremost. So one of the ways that we're going to get to do that is to carry on a bedrock tradition uh, through Serve Sunday. So if we mentioned it last week, uh, if you haven't put it on your schedule yet, uh, it's always helpful to know when you show up on Sunday, like if you're going to be moving mulch and planting things, that you would wear clothes that would be appropriate for that. So we're, tr- we're reminding you again that on June 13th, we have a, our first Serve Sunday. Um, Ray Lines has been helping us. Uh, organize what's everything that's going to take place. So we're going to clean up a couple blocks, and then we're also going to be heading over to the dog park um, over by Front Street. And uh, we're gonna, they have just a lot of weeds. And Ray could tell you how excited they were when we called. They were like, you know, we don't really get a ton of people that call that just say, hey, we're ready to help out. And so they were excited when they knew that there was a church that was ready to jump in. So we're just trying to bless them. You know, there's, it's, not, it's not really complicated. It's just saying, okay, we're going to stop what we're doing for a Sunday, and we're going we're gonna to put on some gloves, and we're going to go, and we're going to be able to serve and help out our community in the best way that we can. Um, we are sitting in a space that has been a huge blessing to us. Uh, and we'll, you'll learn more and more about how God has just continued to give provision from the beginning um, of, of this, uh, what he began a long time ago. Uh, but this space is unique simply for, I think, first and foremost, because of what God did 10 years ago here. So God planted a church, uh, Liberty Church, out of this space 10 years ago. And for us, you know, it's incredible to hear all the ministry that has already happened here. And so it's, it's cool in one sense because, you're, you know, it's church plant ready. But at the same, and I think what's more significant is that um, there's ministry and a foundation that was laid here that we get to continue to build upon. Uh, and so what that looks like is, is a guy named Gabe um, who's with Liberty. Liberty moved like 10 blocks over. He lives still right here. And this week he's sitting talking to me, Brian and Ray and Steph. And he's saying, you know, this space has been a space that the community has come to for Halloween events for the past 10 years. So if you don't hold an event, like people are going to be at the door. And so, you know, we're like, absolutely, we're, we're all in. Um, but something else that he said, he was like, you know, last summer they didn't get to do it, but the summer before that, kids are asking, kids in the community are asking about movie nights. They did Marvel movie nights. I don't know how many they went through. We have some Marvel experts in the lines, Ray and Everett lines, but I don't know how many they made it through, but we were like, we're, we're in, we want to do it. So um, starting on June 16th on Wednesday is going to be our first movie night. I don't know what we're going to show. It may be a Marvel movie. I'm not sure. I, um, but what we're going to do is we're going to fly. They said it's so perfectly fine to fly the neighborhood. So we're going to fly the neighborhood. The kids are looking for stuff to do throughout the summer. Um, and we're going to have our first opportunity to just kind of swing the doors open and say, hey, we're here just to be a service to you. So we're excited about like those are things that have just began a long time ago that has, it's going to be a blessing for, for the community just to be a part of. So it's, it, it goes right along with our heart where we want to be, we want to serve. We want to look like Christ. It's what... We started in our Acts series um, a couple, about, about a month ago now, uh, and Brian's going to continue in our Acts chapter 3 today. So we're excited about our time in the Word. Uh, let me pray for us before we jump in the Word. Father, I, I pray that today, um, Lord, that you'd be glorified in everything that we do, everything that we say. 
Lord, what Brian's going to open the word today, and I pray that your spirit would speak through him. Lord, that you would do something that we can't do in our own, Lord, and that you would change lives. Lord, as we look at the early church in Acts, we marvel at what you've done. Lord, we marvel at what a community that is filled with the Holy Spirit looks like, the way that they function, the way that they act, the things that they're passionate about, the way that they hold their possessions, the way that they let go of them, the way they love one another, the way they care for the community around him. It just around them. It just feels like something that it just comes from the power of the Holy Spirit and it comes out of you. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would do that here. Lord, I pray that you would do a work that we can't. Um, Lord, it's, it's an honor to be your hands and feet. Lord, it's an honor to bring the gospel. It's an honor to, to be able to serve our neighbors, to be able to love Philadelphia. Lord, I, I pray that you would continue to swing doors wide open. Lord, that you would place us as your people in front of, or the people that you've prepared long before to hear your gospel or to experience your love. So be with Brian this morning as he opens the word. Lord, be with, be with us as we hear from you. We love you. In your name, amen. Good morning, Bedrock. My name is Brian, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm excited to uh, be speaking out of Acts 3 today. Um, just been sitting in this passage all week. So, um, But yeah, if this is... Uh, this is literally our second um, time gathering as a church, so we are uh, excited that you're here. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, since we're going to be in Acts 3 today, we have these, so um, we would be glad for you to have one, take it home. There's some laying out here in the lobby, um, in the information desk as well, so we'd love for you to have that. Um, but yeah, we are... Um, in a team here as we, as we speak. So as Drew said, we share um, teaching, and it's a joy, it's a joy uh, to, to be able to jump into a series like this where we're going through the book of Acts chapter by chapter, um, and together just um, sharing what we see. And so um, there's, there's team, which is a core value that we have, and then we value community, which Drew talked about last week when we're looking at the, the uh, people of God in Acts chapter 2, 42-47, and they're, they're just uh, have everything in common, and they're caring for one another. Um, but, but another core value that we have as a church is service. Uh, so we're going to talk about that today. And then the other last core value that we have is the Word. Um, and so obviously that is um, where we find this, this story today. Um, and as we get into the book of Acts, our, our series is Power, Formation, and Movement. And so I, I, I guess what I want to start today is that sometimes we overcomplicate things. <laughs> um, and when I was thinking about that idea, I'm going to step on a few toes probably, but hey, it's okay. I think when we think about what things we can overcomplicate, one thing that comes to mind, Ray Lines, I'm sorry, Caleb, I'm not like being mean to you guys, but sometimes I feel like we, we complicate something so good in coffee. I love coffee. We all love coffee. I'm excited about us getting ready to have coffee on Sunday mornings here in a few weeks, but as I started thinking about coffee, I'm like, the first, you know, we've come a long ways from Folgers in your cup, the best part of waking up. 
Uh, you know, we've come uh, in the morning when I wake up, really me and Anna would both say like anything in that co coffee cup, just give it to me. That's what I want when I wake up. But when I think about coffee, man, over the years, I've gotten like a supply of all the ways you can make coffee. So you've got your Chemex, which is like, if you want to be a, a scientist, you can get into that. Some chemistry in the morning. You've got your pour over. It's pretty uh, self-explanatory. You pour the, the water over and you make your coffee. So it's pretty cool. But then you got things like the AeroPress. And you got to just like, I do the inverted method, if you're wondering, um, where, you know, you've got to press your coffee down and um, so many more. I, I'm sure I have the French press at home somewhere. But as I started thinking about it, I was just like, man, it's really gotten complicated. And I know, I know, it's a hobby. We get into things. Uh, there are better ways to make coffee. There's a difference between a cup of Folgers out of the, out of the pot or something you'd get at like a diner and, and something you make out of a, a French press, okay? But my thought as I look at the book of Acts is it's so refreshing. When we look at the early church, and I'm afraid if we're not careful, we've complicated things in the church. We've, we've taken something that when we read Acts, in the book of Acts, and we look at the people of God, we start to feel like that's more simple than I feel like we make it. And we start, we start thinking about all the programs, and we start thinking about all the, the systems, and we start thinking about um, all the events, and we start just looking at this, and, and we're like, that's refreshing. And so our heart, as we go through this series, as we move through the book of Acts, is that we wouldn't overcomplicate the way God's intended us to be the people of God, that we would look at his heart and that we would reflect it. That's our heart as we move through Acts, as we jump back into Acts chapter 3 today. Um, the context of this series, the four Gospels um, start the New Testament. If you're not familiar with, with God's Word, we believe God's Word is a story. We believe that it is a whole story, that from start to finish, um, it has something to tell us about God, and we need to see all of it. And it's beautiful, and it's our history. And the New Testament starts there kind of in the middle. Um, but the first four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tell us the, the biography and the story of Jesus Christ. They tell us everything we need to know about his life and, and how we get to know him. Um, and then the book of Acts, if, if the Gospels are about who Jesus is, what he did, how, how we can come to know him, then the, the book of Acts really is how Jesus continues his ministry through us. How Jesus, a lot of people will say the book of Acts is the, the Acts of the Apostle, but what I would say is it's the Acts of Jesus Christ through the Apostles. And what we're seeing in the passage today is it very much reflects who Jesus was when he walked his life um, uh, during um, his ministry. And so um, we, we moved from Easter, an exciting series, to the, the beginning of the book of Acts. Acts last week, um, the week before, or the sermon before, I'm trying to trace all back. The sermon before, Drew talked about this, this sermon that Peter um, preached and, and thousands came to know Christ. And so you've got this, this huge moment where the church is beginning and it's, it's exciting. And then last week, we get this like glimpse of, of what the, that community looked like. And we saw from Drew that um, these radicals were in awe of the gospel, that they were restored people, that what was unnatural had now become natural. And they could now live in, he said, unity, worship, 
and holy, um, uh, live their lives in all of God. And so what I think of today is like, we've almost like a movie kind of got this narrator who's been talking about this, the general like background and context of the story. And then he zooms in on an intimate scene. And we're going to see a scene where, where a, a beggar is healed. So I'd like to read that for us today. So let's read Acts chapter 3, 1 through 10. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate. To ask alms of those entering the temple, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give it to you. Listen to this. We just sang this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and enter the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for, for simple 10 verses that have just wrecked me this week. In a good way, God, you, you have just revealed your heart for people. And uh, God, as a new church in a new city, desiring um, to do the same. May you teach us your heart for service. May you teach us your heart for the name of Jesus to be made known. May you um, help us step forward where we can be obedient. Uh, thank you for uh, your word. And more than anything, we thank you for you. In your name, amen. All right, so man, what an exciting scene. It's one of these passages where I initially got into it and I was like, okay, not a lot happens. Um, and then you start to just pick it apart and observe the moments and it's, it's so rich. And so I wanna do that for us today. There's gonna be a lot of just things you can write down, like moments of like just nuggets of principles. Um, so the first thing, just general observation, just notice that we've gone from crowd, we've gone from big moment with Peter where he's seeing thousands of people come to Christ, and now we're, we're narrowing in on, on one, the ministry from a crowd to one person. Also, just notice the characters in the story. We've got Peter and John. Man, think about their relationship. <laughs> How cool is this that these partners in fishing, you know, they, they had this business fishing. That's what they did. That's who they were. They weren't these, like, crazy educated guys. Um, think about... Um, all the memories that they had together in following Jesus, they were part of that inner three, you know, Peter, James, and John. And, and they, they got to see some incredible moments together. Think about how they were the ones that got to prepare Passover for Jesus. And, and they're just reflecting back on this moment. Or when they raced each other to the tomb, 
You know, and I think Peter would say that he beat John, and John would say that he beat Peter. Who knows? Um, but the beautiful thing is that God, really on display here, is that he takes two people that were competing for greatness. You see them arguing at the Passover meal. These people that were once about themselves, now in unity, loving someone. Now in unity, seeing the church come alive. And now in unity, um, loving one another. And I, I couldn't help but think about what God's doing here in this place. I couldn't help but think about the joy that it is to do this together. And uh, I think he wants us to see that. Psalm 133. I don't think I had it on the screen, so that's okay, Caleb. I had it, and then I took it out. I was like, I don't want to talk too much. But hey, um, 133 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like precious oil on the head running down on the beard of the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls in the mountain of Zion, for the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. So just initial observations, there's just a beauty in, in the changed lives of Peter and John. And, and one thing we'll say here at Bedrock, we'll say it over and over again, the gospel changes everything. The gospel changes these fishermen. The gospel changes those that put their faith in Jesus in a way that, that brings them together, as Drew talked about last week. And now we get to watch how, how God uses that to display it to someone who's never heard. So when the good news takes, um, Jesus takes someone from sinner to child of God, uh, it says it's like putting off the old man and putting on the new. Um, so, so what's this passage all about? Let's jump into it. Acts 3. Um, I have two points today. Two points and then a bunch of little like principles, probably like 10 or so, so I'm sorry. But um, the two points are we worship God by serving others. And point number two is we serve others so that they might worship God. And I'll be transparent. Um, this sermon, um, I was in heavily influenced by a sermon years ago at Bedrock on the same passage, Chris uh, Dab preached, and, and those were the two points, and I've just been so um, encouraged by, by working through this. So we worship God by serving others. You might initially say, worship? This, this passage is about healing. This passage is about the name of Jesus. Yes, yes, but, but let's talk about why um, it's about worship. Let's, let's first look at where were they headed. So it says that um, they were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. They were headed to a worship service. They were headed to a building. They were headed to the church, and, and they had somewhere to go. I mean, I just picture them with whatever they needed, you know, walking and, and getting ready to enter, and it says they were walking um, through this beautiful gate. It had the Corinthian bronze. It was unlike the other ones that were set in silver and in, in, in gold. It stood out. And they're on their way to this, this beautiful building, but they see a guy. They see a guy who um, has, has begged for 40 years. He's strategic about where he set himself. He knows that this beautiful gate and this temple is a place where the religious are going to go. And as people pass by, he knows that they're going to see him. And they're going to have to decide, are they going to give? And, and giving alms was definitely very much a part of the faith to, um, uh, of, their, of their religion, of, to give to the poor. And so 
He knew what he was doing, and he begged for 40 years. He couldn't walk. And Peter and John this day walk on their way to a church service, and they see him, and they stop. And that's significant. Significant because, uh, unfortunately, how much, um, how many times do we prioritize the service and the building over stopping for and serving someone? Now, I believe both are incredibly important, and it feels ironic to be talking about that as we stand in this new building that God has blessed us with. But I think it's God's timing. I think it's, it's him saying, um, man, enjoy and use this space as God would have us to. Open the doors and proclaim the God's word, but don't forget that your life isn't just a worship service. Don't forget that your worship isn't just singing a song. Don't forget that your worship isn't just sitting in a seat and hearing a sermon. But your worship can also be the way that you serve someone. Your worship can, can be something that happens every day. Your worship can be something that happens at work. Can you believe that? And so we've got to, we can't miss that. That worship is so much more than attending a service or a building. Drew said last week, he said, we were made to worship. He said, all of our life can be a devotion and worship towards God. It's not about a moment of worship, but a community of people whose lives are defined by worship. Um, so we're excited. We're excited about this space. Um, but we've said from the beginning, we never thought that this was it. We never thought that this was everything that we were working toward. And so I thought it'd be a good moment to mention that today. I have a, just a quick illustration to help us think about that. Of course, I got to bring out the whiteboard. All right. Give me my poor drawing, but that's the church building. And... Um, I think many times we think about, man, if we can just get people to church, um, and if we can just uh, make sure that we've got all the right systems and methods and strategies, if we can pour all of our money into uh, making sure it's a great place for people to walk into, if we can make sure that uh, people on Sunday morning are giving all their gifts in the right places, they're jumping into the right um, kind of spot for them. I mean, if we can make sure we can get as many people as possible into this place and, and give all of our time to this. And, and if we can make sure that, that whatever church we go to, we love the leaders, we love the way that they speak, we love the way that they lead. So let's, let's just go all in on that. And, and again, I'm not saying that this is not part of what we do. This, we have learned in a season what it is like not to have this corporate space of worship. We have learned, and we'll say that it is just as valuable to us. But we, we, we can't forget that we hold that in balance. And God's just wanting to be reminded of that. And so really, if we're looking at this, I have an eraser somewhere, there it is. What God's heart is, and we've seen this passage, is that God wants us as a church and, and the leaders and the money and the time, as we invest and as we equip on a Sunday morning, as a service allows us just to reset our hearts and, and to join together faithfully as God calls us, what he, really, what he wants us is for that to be something that sends us out into every day. What he wants us is for, for, for what happens in our hearts and what God is doing in the church 
um, corporately to start impacting the city around them. As we think about Fishtown, God wants us to start using our money to bless people. God, God wants us to start using our time. I know it's precious, but he wants us to start using our time to serve those in need and, and to seek the welfare of our city. He wants us to start desiring for people on our block and people in our city to be saturated with the truth of the gospel, to hear and see it proclaimed through our life. It takes time. I know that. He wants us to use our gifts even outside of a church building. He wants us to jump in into spaces where we're just naturally gifted so that God can be on display. Oh, man, how our hearts long for this. And so we do that in three ways here at Bedrock. They're just, it's not, again, supposed to be a perfect formula, but it's just our heart to say we care about all of these. So we do it on Sunday gathering. We do it in missional communities, which are uh, this, this small group idea where we gather in homes. It's, you know, about 14 people. Um, and then we have our DNA groups where it's two or three people, uh, just like the, the three, Peter, James, and John, where they are living life together in a way that they um, push each other to follow Jesus. So we believe all of those things are important. So we don't want to miss that. I would say there's an issue if we attend religious events, but we miss the needs of all of those around us. So may we be challenged by that. May we see that here in the passage. Um, we see that in a similar scene. Let's look at the Good Samaritan. These are the words of Jesus. He was being confronted by a lawyer who wanted to um, ask Jesus how he could um, have eternal life. And he pushes against Jesus a little bit here um, as he, he commands him. Let's see, it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. I mean, that, I mean, that describes a life that isn't just attending, but is all of life, right? And he says, he's, uh, but he desiring to justify himself. And we love to do that. Said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. He's got, to, he's got some religious things to get to. He's got his, his schedule. Come on. And he said, um, So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he saw him, he saw him, Listen to this. He said, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. I'll skip down to verse 36. Which of these three do you think proved to be my neighbor? A neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So everyone in this story, obviously, 
uh, in a similar way as Peter and John had the opportunity just to move on, not to see this guy. Um, everyone in the story but the Good Samaritan had somewhere better to go. But the Good Samaritan, it says that he had compassion. He was looking outside of himself. He wasn't consumed with this, but he was consumed with being loved by God and loving others. It wasn't this compartmentalization for him. I don't even know if that's a word. But, um, and I would say we can't expect to love God and not love others. What we see here, God says, Jesus says, go and do likewise, is God loves people. Man, can we, can we write that down in our head today and remember it? I think we know it, but, but does that reflect in our life? God really, really, really loves people. He wants us to really, really, really love people. And, and that's something, as Drew talked about last week, it's not natural to do that, right? That's something that God's work of his spirit does in our hearts. But, but our heart and our prayer is that God helps us love Fishtown. That God helps us love Philadelphia. That God helps us to love one another because that's what he's done for us. And so can we be honest today? Do we, do we have moments where we uh, allow ourselves to justify? Um, are there moments where God is, is calling us to stop and to not continue in our, like our um, habits or um, our religiosity? Is there moments where he's calling us to stop and we justify in our mind? And we all do it, right? I don't have time. I know that that's going to be more messy than I would like it to. Uh, my plate is full. He doesn't deserve it. He's, a, he's done it over and over again. What, whatever it is, I'm, I'm just praying that the Spirit leads us to, to just call it out in our hearts and our minds today, that, that we would stop justifying being selfish. That we would stop justifying overlooking the needs of those around us. What cost are we unwilling to pay in order that others might receive a blessing as we have received a blessing? Um, you say, Brian, how, how is serving worship? And I know there's so many different ways we can serve. I'm not saying it's just the healing, but there's so many ways we can serve and bless others. But how is it worship? Jesus explains that when we serve others, it's as if we're doing it to him. Let's look at Matthew 25. It says, then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? And, and when did you see a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did you see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So one of those principles here that I just want to mention is those who reach the many care about reaching the one. Those who reach the many that on, uh, as Peter proclaimed Jesus uh, to the crowd and thousands came to, to him, uh, to, to faith in Jesus, we also see him in this moment being faithful to the one. As a church, can we recognize that? That 
that this right here isn't going to do it all. <laughs> like, this is a way God definitely uses the proclamation of the gospel. But, but I'm asking all of us to consider, like, are we willing to, to take that truth to the one? It can't always be right here. It, in fact, when we look at the life of Jesus, often it, the crowds were, were not, like, the, the biggest way in which he spent time. Like, we find Jesus with the few. Most of the time, we, we find him walking up to people like Zacchaeus. We find him sitting at a table. We find him um, reaching out to someone that is, is uh, sick. And so that, that's something where Acts 2.47, it says um, that day by day, people were coming to faith. When we think about that, I know we just saw a huge sermon. People came to Christ, but day by day means it's, it's a regular thing. It's happening day by day, and that only happens when God's people pursue others with love and, and proclaim the truth when the Spirit leads. So may we see that. Um, so it doesn't happen as a whole church if it isn't happening as an individual, and I think God's wanting us to see that as we continue forward in this community. Another kind of truth here that I want to pull out is we can't do everything for everybody, but we can do something for someone. I heard that from Kevin McGinn in, in Wooster, as they also are preaching through Acts, um, but it related to me so much. We can get so overwhelmed by the big picture, right? So overwhelmed. We're, as a church, we're learning this. Like, for real, when Kyle's back here with Nam, when, when we first came to, when I made my first trip with Drew to this city, it was overwhelming. Uh, as far as just the size and knowing the needs, the poverty, the addiction, and, and looking at the percentages of how many people uh, are true followers of Jesus versus how many are not. And if we're not careful, we forget about the big God that we serve and the way that he has continued to move his gospel forward and uh, throughout history. But it can be overwhelming. And we look at the big picture, and sometimes it's easier just to sit on the sideline and to be frozen in inactivity. But may we see in this passage that God is just calling us to, to be faithful to, to something and to someone and to give what we have. And so... Uh, Drew already talked about the, the conversation with Liberty, but that was so timely for me this week as we were looking at um, how do we continue to do this as a church? And, and for them to say, so, like he, Gabe said something like, um, we recognize as a church that, that this area of our city uh, has needs for food, needs for housing, um, and and we didn't know how to deal with it, but what I heard him say was we're, we're taking steps. Like, we've got a goal to house one to two people, or to, to build one to two houses a year that are going to house people. And what I heard in that, it's so much related to this, is like, they're just taking steps. They're giving what they have. They, they, we can't solve it all in one minute. But man, what God can do with little. Think about the loaves and the fishes. What God can do with the little when we allow him to work through us. Serve Sunday is another moment that Drew's talked about here a moment ago. That's a regular rhythm for us as a church because we want to, to, to keep ourselves in check. We want to take a pause on an entire Sunday and say, serving is also worship. 
And so we're going to go into our community. We're going to get our hands dirty. We're going to be part of this place, and we're, and we're going to see what God does. So uh, it says, what's that verse? Um, he said, I have no silver or gold. I love this. But what I do have, I give to you. So another, another thing to write down there is, they didn't have much, but they did know what they had. They didn't have much. They didn't have the silver and the gold. It, it meant my, what, what, I, what I think is they didn't have the silver and the gold because I think, as we saw in last week's passage, they'd already given it to each other in their community. They were already um, giving all that they could to each other so they could um, truly be a family. Um, but they didn't, regardless, I don't know why, but they didn't have any silver or gold. But I love that they were confident in what they had. Let's read it. Acts chapter 3, 2 through 6. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as John did, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them. Um, I've already kind of said, so this man was, was lame. And in um, a later chapter, it says that he was 40 years old. And what we really see is he probably didn't expect what he got that day. I think he expected to get a handout, to get some money, um, just like he always had. He didn't know that he had a greater need. Uh, he didn't know that he could actually see the healing that he did. And I think that's something that as believers, as we carry the gospel, it's a similar deal for us. That as we walk around with the, uh, the heart of God, with the, the spirit that leads us, people don't realize that, that they don't need more money. They don't realize that, you know, beyond their physical need, that there's a spiritual need. And, and God uses us as vessels to point that out. Man, what a beautiful thing when, when it says that... Um, Peter looked at him. Peter looked at him. Eye contact was probably pretty rare for this guy. Someone looking at him and giving him dignity as a human being was probably pretty rare. Someone listening to his story was probably pretty rare. He wasn't used to that. And man, that, that sinks into my heart as we, uh, we want to be uh, the hands and feet of Jesus. And we look at Jesus in all of his moments. That's exactly what he did. He took the time to look at people. He took the time, I think about moments with Peter, where he denied him so many times. And on the beach uh, with breakfast, he looks at Peter and says, do you love me? And he just, he gives these moments of just grace. And, and he's available. And I think as we ask God to use us, and we think, man, I don't have much money. I don't have a lot to give. I'm not the wisest person in the world. Sometimes it's just looking at someone and seeing them through the gospel lens that we have, through uh, seeing them as, as human and recognizing that and, and listening to their story. God can use that in a major way when we think about that. And then on top of that, look at us. Look at us is what he said. I can just imagine the beggar. Why, why would he have to say, look at us? And, oh, man, you can just, you can feel it um, as you read it. Just the shame, 
I don't want to read into this guy's story, but he, he can't walk. He's got to be carried to the temple. I don't know what his past looked like. He didn't have much to give at all, and, and now he's just re- requiring people um, to give him money so that he can eat. Have we ever been there before? I don't know. It might not be a physical need, but I know that many have, and we, many in our city do. It doesn't take much driving around to see someone in this position. And, and can we think about ourselves? It might not be a physical need, but is there shame that, that wrecks us and, 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 and doesn't give us the confidence to, to be able to look up and to live with, with peace? So I love that Peter in this moment Almost as Jesus is just speaking through him, says, look at me. He saw, as we talk about creating a culture of the gospel, he saw a dignified human being. He didn't see his physical ailment. He didn't see um, someone who couldn't walk. He, sees, he saw someone in God's image. Man, we're so guilty of, of uh, not allowing us or the, the Lord to, to help us have his eyes. We all need help every now and then. Um, so can you see the heart of God in this moment? I don't know where, where you come from today, but I want you to see that. I know we see ourselves as Peter and John in this story, but I think we can all relate to the beggar in some way. May we all see that, that Jesus is calling us to look at him and to receive his love and grace and to know that he's created us with purpose and that we're important and that he has a purpose for us, and that we don't have to continue in shame and humiliation, but that he wants to give us life and make us free. Man. So beautiful. It says um, in Luke 10, 37, uh, the end of that passage, just a re- uh, reminder here, he says, go and do likewise. And so I think that's what God's calling us to do as we look at this brief interaction, that obedience to serving others is an act of worship. Because we have been given grace and mercy, we have the opportunity to show the same to others. This is, I'm not talking about us checking off a box. I'm not talking about us just um, going and doing more things. What I'm talking about is, can we recognize like, what he's done for us? And can we extend the same to someone else? Point number two, I know that was a lot. <laughs> Point number two is we serve others so that they may worship God. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And so in the name of Jesus, not Peter is what I wrote down. We see that he had, Peter had such an opportunity for, um, for this man to be walking and leaping and praising Peter. For, for Peter to, to really get some more attention. You know, and we know that Peter probably enjoyed that. You know, the natural um, before Christ Peter. But what we see him immediately doing is, is that he pointed all attention and all glory to Christ to Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we sing that this morning. And, and as we look at that, 
Can we think about when we serve and when we worship, is our heart for God to receive the most glory? And how can we serve in a way that lends to that? I'm not saying every time we serve and, and we care for someone or we go and clean up a park that we're bringing out the gospel story every time. But can we, can we do it in such a way that, that God receives the glory? And, and Peter was intentional about that. He stewarded that opportunity so well. It's almost like he's saying, like, this Jesus that you're hearing about, that is like stirring up in this city, this Jesus that, that uh, has made the political leaders like really upset and, and crazy, and they put him to death. But you've probably heard, I don't know if you've heard, but he, he rose from the grave. I actually beat John there, and you know, I, I saw it empty. It's like he's saying, like, that resurrected Jesus is the same one that's resurrecting you to your feet. It's, he's the same one that is here in this moment doing a work in your life. And you, please just praise him for that. Please, please walk and leap and, and do Dancing with the Stars, um, Davidic version, I don't know. But you're, you walk in, in praise to him for what he's done. And I think a way that we can do that, like a, a challenge for us is do we serve with selfish motives? God, help us to be free from that. A key for, uh, we've already kind of said it, to help us prevent that is, is um, to remember that we serve because he first loved us. We, we don't serve because we bring everything to the table. We serve because we've been radically forgiven ourselves, that we've been um, shown the, the most humility we ever could through Jesus. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. 2 Corinthians 4.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So taking that a step further, not only does he do a work in us, but he now uses us as vessels, as, as his people, as ambassadors that represent a kingdom. I love what David Platt says here. It says, Christianity is not God's love, is, is not God loves me, period. God loves me so that I might make him, his ways, his salvation, his glory, and his greatness known among all nations. This is worship. We are not the end of the gospel, God is. And so, uh, yeah, I just want to kind of ask you today, do you, do you realize that, that God is, is asking and wanting to use you to display who he is? Can we wake up? with that awareness. I think many days we don't. So may this be a reminder, like wake up with this remembrance that God wants to use you today. And how exciting can that be? Like our, our day is an adventure. Like we never know what opportunities he's going to lead us into. I also want to say that it's not in the name of bedrock, but of Jesus. I love our logo. I love our name. It has a legacy. It is a foundation in which God's used and planted so many churches. I love the sign we have out on the wall and the t-shirts that we get to wear. Nice t-shirt, Cameron. But we've got to say that, that we, didn't, we didn't move here. We didn't plant a church so that Fishtown and Philadelphia can know all about bedrock so we can fill these these chairs, 
We moved here so that Bedrock could be one of many churches that could point people to the truth of Jesus and that people could walk in new life. We've got to remember that. It's, it's never been about Bedrock. It never will be. I'm going to end here with this idea that this is a glimpse of the kingdom. This moment of healing is a glimpse of the kingdom, one of many that he does on a daily basis. And you might be sitting here thinking, does he still heal like that today? Does he still use us to heal people in that radical way? I I don't know. I, I think he does. Now, have I personally been able to heal someone like that? No. Have I seen it happen? No. But I believe that God can and does do that today. Now, to the frequency of this passage, I I just don't know. But what I do know, it's not about the physical miracle, but more so it's, it's a reflection of what he's doing on a grander scale. It's a reflection of what he's doing in broken hearts. It's a reflection of of this world that's been broken, that has sickness and has death and has sin, and him pushing against that to restore all things back into himself. So we have this picture of the garden before sin where people were in community with God and there was no sickness. If you haven't heard this before, like this is so, this is, it gives us such hope. Like the idea wasn't for there to be sickness and death and brokenness and confusion and pain. But it's there because of sin. And, and, and in this moment and in every moment that the gospel changes lives, whether it be in a healing or whether it be um, helping someone get better from sickness or more importantly, when a, cha- when a heart changes to following him from uh, being slavery to sin, it's his kingdom. It's a glimpse, it's a taste. I love that in Isaiah 35, 4 through 7, He proclaimed that this would happen. He proclaimed that God's kingdom would start to be revealed. It says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. God's still doing this today. Don't look at this passage and be like, I wish we could see that happen. God's still doing miracles on a regular basis. And I think... Um, we take that for granted. Um, uh, Dan, Dan Dane Ortland says, we tend to think of the miracles of the Gospels as interruptions in the natural order. Yet German theologian Hergen Moltmann points out that miracles are not an interruption of the natural order, but the restoration of the natural order. We are so used to a fallen world that sickness, disease, pain, and death seem natural. In fact, They are the interruption. (sighs) Hope. Jesus is restoring all things. We get to be a part of that. He's doing miracles still today. He's doing miracles on hearts that were once slaved to sin, and he's going to continue doing it. Jeff Vanderstilt says, Through our lives, Jesus is showing the world the kind of king he is in the nature of the kingdom he rules. As his servants, we point forward with our acts of service to a far better world where Jesus' rule will be experienced everywhere. Everyone we serve experiences a taste of life in the kingdom. 
So as we, as we close, um, may we see ourselves as part of that work. May we be excited about it. May we see less of ourselves and, and, and consider how is God calling us to um, those in need. What's exciting is what, what God did through this healing uh, led to more proclamation. Oftentimes, God's display of love to one, when he changes that heart, becomes a display of his love to many. When God's, we, don't, we don't know what God's going to do when, when one person comes to Jesus and when he does a, a work and a miracle. Like oftentimes, that's the best platform for his gospel to be on display. He, we just don't know. Like, can we think about the people on our street in the community that we're, we're loving? Man, if God brought one of them to Jesus, they know everybody in the city. You know, they, we just don't know what he's going to do. So this man's tra- transformation became a platform for the gospel. That's all of chapter 4, if you want to read it. The rest of 3, and um, uh, Drew's going to talk some on that. Um, I think my closing thought would be, it would be a shame for us to all move to Philly or for us to be part of this church and look back at some time and realize that, that we never helped and served those around us, that we made it all about us. So may we remind it, it's about Jesus. We worship, uh, we, uh, we worship God through serving and we serve others so that they might worship God. I have a few questions I'm going to throw up here for us as a time of reflection. Feel free to like screenshot that with your phone if you wanted to take this later. Um, I'm just trying to help us think through and, and ask the Spirit to lead us in like processing uh, how we can be faithful in worshiping Him through service. So, so one, how would you describe your worship to God this past week? Are we seeing it in such a limited way or are we realizing that it's all of our life? Two, who has God given you compassion for? So our hearts have been moved in compassion towards someone like Jesus had and like Peter and John had um, that we haven't yet served, that we haven't yet blessed. And how can you take a step towards blessing them this week? Again, don't make this a, a just like religious thing, but the ask the Spirit, lead me in this. You've given me compassion for someone. I see a clear need. How can I step forward in that? Three, do we serve with selfish motives or do we serve in a way that brings the attention and glory to God? Four, do you truly believe that God wants you to be his ambassador and help him introduce his kingdom to those that you don't yet know him? And five, can we do this together? Can we dream about what it would look like if Jesus brought about his rule and reign through you and through our church? Can we dream about that together? Can we consider how God is is calling us? And will you pray for this? in our individual lives, but also as a church, as we step forward into Marvel movie nights and as we step forward in small things ministry, as we step forward together, may we dream about God's rule and reign being represented here in Fishtown. And lastly, I just want to say, we see ourselves as the hero in the story, Peter and John, but, but may we see ourselves, whether it be right in this moment or at some point before Christ, as the beggar. The beggar in this moment probably didn't think he was worthy of God's grace. But God gave it to him without him even asking. The beggar was lame, and on his own he was unable to walk 
as to please God. We find ourselves in the same position before Christ. He was poor. So as sinners before God, we are unable to pay the debt that we owe. The debt of the weight of our sin. And as the beggar was, he was outside the temple representing how we are in a broken relationship with God and not able to be in communion because of our sin. But because of Jesus, who's paid the price, who gave his life, and invites you to place your faith in him, we can now be in relationship with this great God. And we can now be, what what scripture says is we become the temple where he dwells. And please don't be mistaken, like, it's not about how close we can get to the temple. (laughs) Like, we can't earn it. We can't get there on our own, even if we feel like we're right there at the foot of the temple. But he was healed wholly and immediately, and he walked in new life. He leaped in new life. And uh, Christ wants that for you, and he wants you to, to, to find that uh, you can follow him today. So let me pray. I would love to talk to you. Drew would love to talk to you. So many of us would love to talk to you if you've never received Christ. Um, that, that's why we're here. So if you'd like to know more about what that looks like to walk in faith with him and to walk alongside us, we'd love that. So let me pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for um, your heart that you never stop pursuing. Um, that, that as we read a moment of healing in this passage, we can look throughout history from that moment and continue to see you doing a work, to see you um, shining the just glimpses of your kingdom through the people of God, that Jesus uh, is better than the things that we choose and the idols that we chase. Um, And so may you help us as we consider, Lord, our changed life in you and how that calls us to to love you and to love others. Um, God, I don't know what that means for us as a church, but thank you for the small steps you've already begun as we... um, are involved in small things in this neighborhood as we take food to the poor. God, as we open up our doors for teenagers who just need a place to hang out and to go. God, uh, as we continue to bless teachers, God, I, I don't know what else you're calling us to, and it feels overwhelming, but may we just be faithful for what you, the steps you call us to next. We thank you so much, and we, we pray that you just be glorified. In your name, amen.